Todd Downing on a lie detector machine, and it was, and he truly was like, I didn't adjust because I, I didn't know. Worse, that's worse. If you didn't see these basic metrics. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, June the 23rd. I'm your host, Easton Freese, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Easton Freeze. And I'm joined today, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runke. JT, how we doing, man? What's up, gamers? How are we today on this beautiful Friday? I'm good, you know? End of the week, feeling good, right? I'm feeling so good today. We're going to talk a little bit of sports today, as always. Uh, not not super long. We're, we're, we're not going to, you know, this show does, and by this show, I really be, mean me, has a reputation for time management issues in terms of length. I tend to go over on time all the time. But I'm really going to try to not ramble too much this summer when there's not, you know, don't force it. You know, if there's 30 minutes of stuff worth talking about, we'll talk for 30 minutes. You know, we got two shows a week. We got a couple weeks to burn, but other than that, we're going to be fine. And uh, I'm not going to, not going to just ramble and ramble and ramble and try to get a, an hour into each show. We're just going to talk about what there's to talk about today and then get out of here. And there's not a ton, but there are two or three topics that I think are really interesting, JT, that we're going to dive into. Before we do, you and I went and saw a movie last night. I figured we'd we mention did. it. We both we kind of went in with no expectations. We saw The Flash last night. Well, um, I don't know if no expectations. I, I went in with no expectations. I, I went. You, I went in you saying went in this, this is going to be a certified hater. Movie. You are. Yeah, 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 yeah. First ballot Hall of Fame hater, as you are with all things. You went yeah, in, of course, expecting bad. Um, and then halfway through the movie, you're like, it's not bad, which I, I agreed. I found it really fun. I thought it was like worth seeing in the theater. I thought there were some really cool moments visually. It was way funnier than I expected it to be. That was it really was the biggest very surprise. Funny. I didn't as much think of it'd be a, funny. As much of a as bad of a dude Ezra Miller is, like he's funny. Like <laughs> he's he great, was funny. And he's perfect for that role. Like it's such yeah. a bummer as a person. He's uh not really made himself eligible to reprise that role going forward. Yeah. I, I wish I wish that he was just a normal dude um and wasn't that way because he's really perfect in that role. And it was fun. Um I thought it'd be weird with like this supergirl actor who I'd never seen in anything before and um bringing back geriatric batman but it worked i enjoyed it so i think people should go see it um it's certainly not the best movie in theaters right now and you and i were talking about how we can't wait Th- this summer feels like kind of a is it little hollywood renaissance action after covid like bit. this is the this is the first summer post covid and yet there's only been what three or four now um that i three that that i'm like yeah there are a number of movies that, i mean we, we can't wait to see asteroid city which yes, comes I'm out super excited today tonight actually. we're recording yeah, yeah we're recording, recording on, on thursday. thursday tonight it comes out and then oppenheimer is going to be great we genuinely unironically want to see the barbie movie think it looks I, really funny yeah i really want to see the barbie movie and then i'm just like like some people are like star wars kids and some people are like marvel kids and like right. lord of the rings and harry potter i am an indiana jones kid through and through mm-hmm. so i like mm-hmm. I this yep, this I Indiana Jones one. movie could be absolutely awful, and I will think it's a ten out of ten. Like I, well, you're I one do of the few care. folks that like really enjoys Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? You enjoyed the fourth. Yeah, one. I put on four four pairs of rose tinted glasses for any Indiana Jones media. <laughs> I do not care. I do unlike not care. unlike the Flash, where you went in like this is going to be a bad movie with new Indiana Jones 
products, you go in like it can't be bad. No matter what happens, yeah. it cannot be bad. Um, what else is there? Mission Impossible, always a fun time. Yes. Um, there are um, some real stinkers out there. Teenage Kraken, we saw the commercial for last night. I don't it's know. I, I mean, I'm not going to see it. No, hear, no, no. I Elemental hear, uh, is Elemental really bad. Is, yeah, it's bombing at the at the box office right now. Dude, um, Disney has done, they did Inside Out and then Soul and now Elemental. And to me, they're all the same movie. They're all basically the same film. That's, like when was the last time? Honestly, pretty fair. Like Moana and Coco was the last time for me that I was like, I like what they're doing. This is original. This is fresh. I mean, I like Luca. Like Luca. I never saw one Luca. Like, it was a, you need you need to see Luca. It's like I mean, why was it such five? a small deal when it came out? Because like nobody talked about because it. Because it was actually good. Like it was okay, just like right, it, it was right. like a return to form. Like Pixar was like I don't is it Pixar? It might it definitely is Pixar. I but the like, line is blurred. It also Pixar, it also know. came out like right off the heels of COVID. Like when mm. movie theaters were starting to go. Oh, back that's up. So right. I feel it was like one of those of, that was on Disney Plus. You could you could go see yeah. the theaters, but nobody really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the other one? The super mega huge one that was also um, Spanish themed. The, the we don't talk about Bruno movie. Oh, uh, Encanto, but that's not Pixar. Encanto, that's Disney animation. That's Disney uh, animation. Okay, okay. Like, kind of like I, I, like, I lump them all in both, together because they're, they're all Disney they've all been bad lately. And, yeah, right. They've all been bad lately, and um, I never I never saw Encanto. Did you see Encanto? I did like I was just bored one day at fine? like three three p.m. on like a sure. Sunday, and I was like, yeah, I was like, whatever, it was whatever. Was it okay? Yeah, yeah, it was fine. just nothing right home about. Yeah, all right. Well, that, no. that's your that's your film review for the day. Let's talk. Uh, <laughs> I I would be remiss on a sports show without bringing up a little baseball. Mets currently six games under five hundred. The Braves currently, uh, I believe, twenty one games over five hundred. Oh, just kidding. They just won today, so that make that twenty two games over five hundred for the Braves. Uh, your fourth place Mets in the NL East. What what say you, JT? Um, no here, comment at this com time. Here, here, com here comes that first round pick for the draft. You know, here here we go. I guess. Um, uh, Do you tear dude, it down? I, if you're the GM, are you are you in tear it down mode at this point? Or you just trust? No, the you're obvious. You're obviously going to sell things. Like they're going to be sellers. But I mean, you. There's a couple kids that you want to keep. I think there's a couple prospects who have been called up that are probably going to go. I think you're going to sell a bunch of your DH bats. Like Tommy Pham is on fire. He'll be on the he'll be on the trade dead. He'll be on the trading block. He'll sure. be gone for sure. He's on fire. Uh, Danny Burgers. Uh, Danny Burgers. <laughs> he'll probably be gone. Yeah. Um, the time I've, heard, has come I've heard and gone I've heard rumblings that Pete Alonso is on the block, and if they did that, I I would. I would call nine one one. I need help. Like I strap me to a don't leave this strap man me to unattended. A yeah, don't um, leave him unattended. He needs supervision. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not a lot on this roster that you can really sell off without like going and I, 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 I just like, but I mean, like, there's a lot of teams like the Mets right now who have a lot of star players who are just underperforming. The Cardinals are even worse than the Mets, who were a playoff team last year. The San Diego Padres, who went all in on a Padres Dodgers who got who got Xander Bogarts they suck like <laughs> like the Dodgers are in third place behind uh, a pretty like not just like a not exciting Giants team and a really young Diamondbacks team like mm -hmm. there's a lot of teams who like from last year the Yankees without Aaron Judge like I like I'll give a shout out to Goody who um on Twitter 
who sends me after every <laughs> series. Number one hater. Another, just with, harassment with another, at this point. I think you have a legal case uh, against schedule. this man if you want a restraining order. I do. But he did say, like, I'm only doing this because the Yankees are just as bad without Aaron Judge. And I'm like, that's probably fair. Um, hmm. But, you know, I, I have to say I'm not going to bandwagon them. But hometown Cincinnati Reds, they are on fire. They are shaping up to be a team of destiny this year. Just switch um, and all that I have hat to say, out, just switch no, out that hat. I, I, I won't be, I won't ever Reds be a Reds hat. fan. I just want to say good for them. I, I like Joey Votto. Okay. I've always liked Joey Votto. Sure. Good sure. Sure. He's likable. The only way I can tie this into what our show actually covers, because we've done now done 10 minutes of everything, but Titans discussion and NFL discussion is that the athletic ran a poll this week. They, they asked a bunch of major league players where they think the best location for an expansion MLB team would be. And the overwhelming majority said it was Nashville, the best potential expansion city, according to um, an undisclosed number of major league current baseball players, 69% of them, nice, said that Nashville would be the best place to put a new uh, franchise. And then a precipitous drop off, Montreal at 10%, Charlotte 5, Austin 5, Portland 4, Vancouver 2, Salt Lake 2. So the overwhelming majority of folks were not only on the Nashville train here, but they were also objectively correct because Nashville would be the best place to put a baseball team. I, I don't anticipate, like I've not been, my, my heart has has been like, yes, let's do it. Excited. Can't wait. Bring MLB to Nashville. My brain has this, this entire time in the past four or five years that people have been talking about baseball in Nashville and, you know, the, the Nashville stars thing that went on for a couple of years. My brain has said it's probably not happening anytime soon. I'll be kind of surprised just based on like, is there an appetite to build a major league park in Nashville after we're already seeing people not super jazzed about building the new Titan stadium. And, um, you know, Geodis park was just built. The sounds got a new building within the past decade. I I just don't know if there's a Bridgestone isn't getting any younger and is going to like, you got to dress that in the next decade. You'd imagine I mean, where are you going to put it? (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe you go full Braves and just put it in Brentwood. Just like, you know, Franklin (laughs) build a major league park in Franklin. Yeah, as, as if Could the happen. traffic to out there is already not <laughs> yeah, bad enough. It's already right? spectacular. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. Maybe we put it way out, like Murfreesboro. Just put it an hour out of town. We um, put it in Bowling Green. <laughs> Just put, put it, it in Manchester, Bowling Tennessee. Green. So Manchester, yeah, three things: farming, Bonnaroo, Major League Baseball. I mean, if that's not America <laughs> right there, I don't know what is. That's that's America, and I think that Manchester should be the face of American culture here in Tennessee. Um, Okay, let's talk about football. And along the lines of football, JT, we have a very fun announcement today. Very cool. We do. Yeah. Um, Not, I wouldn't say a soft announcement or a soft launch. Like this is a thing you can do now. But obviously, this is a quieter time of the year for betting. But as you're maybe getting your bankroll in order, getting set up, if you're a big NFL better like we are here on the show, for or the you can next just bet against season. the Mets if you want to make some money. This or just for the heck of it, <laughs> as you're buying your time until the NFL markets start kicking up, just bet against the Mets at all possible avenues. We have here at the Hot Read Podcast partnered with Zen Sportsbook, um, which we're super excited about. We've been in discussion with them for two or three weeks now, and we are excited to today announce that we have a referral code with Zen Sportsbook Code hot pod H O T P O D easy peasy to remember. Code hot pod gets you a lot of things. What exactly does that get you, JT? Because people are wondering, you know, like as a new sports book, I, we're both betters. We get it. Feels like there's a new sports book in town every other week. 
feels like there's a, a new sports book being chilled by the content that I consume um, every other week. And it's like, I don't know, like I've got, I've got the book or books that I use. I'm comfortable. Why should I switch? Why should I trust this new book? All fair questions and all questions that you and I were asking ourselves when Zen Sports reached out to us about a month ago. We've done a lot of vetting. I've spent about two hours in personal discussion with the folks over at Zen Sports. I met, I'd say at least half of the team um, at a, at a meeting uh, a week or two ago and got to speak with them about their process, their product, what they're about. And so just some details for folks that might be interested. And if you are into betting, I promise this is not something worth skipping over. You're going to find this interesting. So what Zen Sports does that's different, and one of the reasons why JT and I find it interesting enough to go into business with is that they are not about the funny money uh, bonus bets, right? Every book under the sun, JT, as you and I and anyone that's ever bet is well aware, it is bonus bets left and right. Referral bets, first-time user bets, special parlays. They give you these funny money bonuses. You know, sign up with us. We will match up to $500 your first deposit and free bets back. But anyone that knows, uh, anyone that has tried this, right, they know that it's not real money, right? It's free bets. It's like going to Chuck E. Cheese. You're not cashing out those those Chucky tokens, bro. DNBs isn't giving you straight cold cash for your DNB points on that card. You're you're cashing it in for some goofy prize on the wall, right? You can't actually get that money back. With Zen Sports, it's the opposite, right? With Zen Sports, they don't do the funny money free bets. They do percentages of your bankroll, percentages of your betting volume in straight, hard, cold cash in your pocket. Whenever you bet, and you don't have to win the bets, you just have to make the bets. So you earn an up to an unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus with Zen Sports when you sign up with our code HOTPOD and you earn 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume every month after that for the first six months. For the first, no, for forever, 3% cash back every single month, again, on your betting volume. So that's not the amount of money you win betting. It's the amount of money you bet. You know, you can spend a month and bet $1,000 and lose $1,000 in an all-time bad beat. And you're getting 3% of that back in cash that is withdrawable today. And that's what's so cool about Zen Sports. But you don't get that 5% welcome bonus unless you use our code HOTPOD. Here's a, here's a little bit of how it works. And we're going to have some of the folks at Zen Sports on later in the summer to explain it in more detail. But this is really interesting to me, JT, and I think that our listeners will find it interesting as well. All you have to do is go to Zen Sports. They've got an app. It's he, it's a sports book that is exclusively here in Tennessee, by the way. So they are the real deal here in Tennessee. They care about you as a Tennessean better. They are invested in not just you, but only you here in Tennessee. You make a deposit on Zen Sports, uh, which is an, an app on the App Store, Android, Google Play, Apple, uh, all the different places you can get your apps. You can get the Zen Sports app, download it, make a free account, deposit into that account, and begin betting during your first 15 days from the date you sign up for an account. Zen Sports will give you a welcome bonus in cash equal to 5% of your betting volume with no maximum if you use a referral code. So if you use our code HOTPOD and you're a high roller, there is no amount of money you can spend with Zen Sportsbook and not get that 5% cash back no matter the outcome of your bet. 
after 15 days, Zen Sports will automatically credit your account balance in Zen Sports with the welcome bonus cash back. No need for you to take any further action or do anything at all. There are no restrictions on how you use the welcome bonus once it's credited to your account. You can bet with the cash back. You can hold on to your cash back for a rainy day, or you can withdraw those funds immediately and have that cash in your digital wallet um, at, and at your disposal. So super cool product. We think that they are doing an awesome job over at Zen Sports. Go do us a favor, download the app, use code HOTPOD when you sign up. And with that referral code, you're going to get cash back immediately. 5% for your first 15 days as a welcome bonus. Super excited about our partnership with Zen Sports. Looking forward to things in the future. Might do some uh, some more partnering with them when we get the, the, the best bet gauntlet back up and firing on all cylinders as we try desperately to somehow overcome an incredible 58% year last year. Reminder for those that are like, why should I take these two dudes seriously betting? In a sample size of over 200 bets last NFL season, the Hot Read Podcast is proud to remind you that we went an astonishing 58% over 200 bets, which ask any professional better is uh, pretty impossible to do. Um, and we did it over, over a large sample size. It was no fluke. So we're looking to uh, to reprise that um, performance this year as best we possibly can, get over that 53% even money mark and make some folks some money again. And, and we're going to do that with Zen Sports. Again, code HOTPOD when you sign up with the referral code to get unlimited 5% cash back in your pocket. I think it's super cool, JT. I can't wait to play around with the book, with the lines. Um, I'm not personally betting on a ton of stuff right now, but I know as we get deeper into the MLB season and, of course, we get to the NFL season, in about a month or so, we start looking at futures. We start looking at um, uh, player props, season-long props. We start looking at award props, first coach to be fired, always a great one. Um, that kind of stuff is going to be on my radar soon, and I'm going to be looking at Zen Sportsbook to do it. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, they have a lot of cool stuff to offer. Um, super excited, especially, like you said, with the best bet Gotland coming back. If you think, oh, we're in, we're 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 due for a sophomore slump here. Uh, actually, no, that, no, my friend. Last year was our sophomore year since we did this a year before <laughs> this is doing true. it on the podcast. This, this is, is our true. third year, so no sophomore slump. Right. Um, we're like Trevor a, Lawrence. It's like for, first year was kind of yeah. off the record. We don't remember that. It was, it was literally not on the record. Second year, the. <laughs> there and we're expecting a third year i mean even bigger breakout season so yeah and like even on my end it was it was a little down year for me and we sure. still did 58 so i'm coming back red hot when we're making people ready. money hand over fist in september do not say we did not warn you to get on the train right now hot pod code hot pod over at zen sportsbook all right let's talk football we've got a couple of topics jt um which uh, if you would be so kind as to kind of navigate us through here um, Warren Sharp put out a thread that you and I found very interesting this week. Uh, many folks in Titan circles found interesting and it wasn't actually any new information. It was all stuff that we had talked about at length, like six months ago, but frankly, it deserves rehashing. Yeah. Um, so Warren Sharp put out a tweet, um, earlier this week and I'll just read it here um right. verbatim because uh, I thought it was, it was it was it, you know it brings up uh doing the the wind horse fingers it brings up an interesting conspiracy here oh um, he goes on to say <laughs> I spend a lot of time objectively researching every team each offseason looking for the good and bad as open-minded as possible but one thing I will never be talked off of is my belief that Todd Downing was a double agent 
trying mm. to make life difficult for the <laughs> Titans offense. And he goes on to say on first downs, Tennessee had the second highest run rate despite these stacking the box at the fourth highest rate. Unsur- unsurprisingly, the runs ranked fourth worst in efficiency, but nothing stopped them from running into loaded boxes. Not even the fact that first down passes ranked third in efficiency. So even though they were really good on passing on first on down, downs, right? I, they, they, they didn't do it. Pass. Uh, they said there, pass. We didn't no, there, we're good. There is, we'll there is no reason a team that sits where the Titans sit on this graphic should be running the ball at the second highest rate in the NFL. Absolutely no reason, which is why I bring up that this is kind of a conspiracy. Did did Todd, did Todd, Downing, Todd Downing truly working for the uh, the opponent? Is that the was he as soon as he read the tea leaves and knew that he, he was out of here by the end of the season? Um, was he was he working against it, which is surprising, even though uh, anybody who um, reads that I'm surprised he has a job. To be frank with you, and you right, know, he, you he know, wasn't unemployed um, for long. The passing the, the, game, co- he's the passing game coordinator for the New York Jets for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to coordinate that passing and, game. And you know, as much as the hi- as much as hype as the Jets get, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be as high on them if they're bringing in Keith Carter and Todd Downing this uh, this off season. So yeah, you know, There's some red <laughs> it's, flags it's, in it's terms quite of personnel interesting. there. Yeah, but you if bring up this graphic YouTube, here, yeah. right? Yeah, I wanted I wanted to talk about this graphic. So it it visualizes for those of you that are tuning in on YouTube. And if you're not go over to Broadway sports media uh, on YouTube, you'll find the video version of this podcast, which is the best way to view this podcast. Cause we do a lot of hard work with the visuals. Um, this is the chart from that thread from Warren Sharp, and it shows just how good Tennessee was in terms of efficiency on early down passing and just how aggressively bad they were on early down running. And the Titans did not care. They were kind of in a, in a quadrant of their own here. There's not really anybody near them in terms of their efficiency and inefficiency in these two metrics. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the other teams that are even close around them. Like the closest two teams around them are the Buccaneers, who are a little bit worse on rushes, which makes sense. Um, and the next team closest to them is the Washington Commanders. So like you're you're not you're not in great company here. And like the closest well, think team about that those had Bucks like, teams. I mean that that yeah. Buck te- Bucks team last year, everyone knows how it was like Tom Brady passing for his life because there was no run game because whenever they tried to run, it was a disaster because the offensive oh, line aware. was a problem and the, like well, the- right, right. The first six weeks I had Leonard Fournette on my team and I was just begging for him to just keep getting those like he just kept dinking and dunking it off mm-hmm. to Leonard Fournette. And that's mm-hmm. how I was able to ship off Leonard Fournette at the deadline. Um, well, you can see on this on this chart, I this was kind of eye opening to me, like the Titans last year in terms of efficiency were literally just the Buccaneers, but more Buccaneersy, like worse, yep. Yep. which is astonishing. There was nobody near them to be that great in terms of efficiency with passing on first down, as opposed to your uh, first or second down, I think this is, okay, it's just, this is just first down, but I know that this trend applies to all early downs. So first and second down, they were very high in terms of their efficiency passing, very low in terms of their efficiency running. And we know this about the Titans, right? It's been the Derrick Henry special for as long as he has been the Derrick Henry that we all know and love. That This has been the case. Defenses forced the Titans. Essentially, the, the, the whiteboard game plan going into Titans week is, okay, make somebody other than Derrick Henry beat us. And of course, that's a, like been a very good game plan. That's been the way you should be doing it because of what this Titans team has been like. And 
Um, last year was really, and it's been the last two years, both Todd Downing offenses were this way, but last year was the real egregious, I think, straw that well, clearly broke the camel's back because Todd Downing lost his job over. Um, not just this, and there's some other things that he did on and off the field, but th this kind of thing is a big reason why not only was he poor in this area, but JT, what bothers me more, it, I, when people make mistakes or are wrong about something like this, it's frustrating. But what's infuriating to me, far, far, far worse than being wrong, is being wrong for, I don't know, two consecutive seasons, having this data publicly available to coaching staffs, as well as the media, as well as any Joe Blow with an internet connection, seeing this, and it's impossible for you, like if you, if they, if, if, if you put Todd Downing on a lie detector machine and it was, and he truly was like, I didn't adjust because I, I didn't know worse that's worse if you didn't see these basic metrics uh, come across your table if there was no intern at the titans headquarters sliding this graph in front of you at some point in the last two years it's an even worse look but but to, to know of this information which i think that they had access to i know they had access to and i think they were aware of and to not care to double down to be boneheaded and so insistent on your way or the highway when it comes to early down pass versus run is quite literally a fireable offense. And it is a perfect to not do list for Tim Kelly. He should have on his to-do list for his first year as a coordinator in Tennessee, this circled in, in, in red marker and highlighted do not ignore the efficiency numbers on early downs like the Titans have done for the last two years. Um, we also, I think there's, yeah, there's, there's some more numbers here from, um, from Warren Sharp that are, are worth bearing. He says that their first down runs did almost nothing but force them into third downs at the highest rate of being forced into third down after a first down run in the NFL, which is a convoluted way of saying they did what they did, continuing to run against stacked boxes at a super inefficient clip. And, shockingly and this is a crazy uh cause cause and uh, effect moment here they were super inefficient and it forced them at a historically high rate into third down situations that were not very advantageous to them um and they repeated it over and over and over according to sharp there was nothing the titans needed to do to establish a stacked box on first downs they were not a team in search of stacked boxes in a game enforcing the run establishing that run in order to get stacked boxes, in order to then exploit over the top in the passing game. Oh, no, no. They had stacked boxes out of the gate. Like, that was baked in to what they were going to see each week. Week They knew it. Their opponents knew it. And yet they still acted like they were trying to establish that run for some odd reason. Here are the numbers. On first downs, they faced 95% uh, stacked boxes uh, if less than three receivers were on the field. So, Nine and a half times out of 10, if there were three or fewer receivers on the field and they weren't clearly in spread formation, it was a stacked box every single time for the Titans on first downs. 90% of that time, they saw a stacked box in the first quarter and 84% of the time they saw a stacked box if Derrick Henry was just simply on the field. If he was one of the 11 offensive players in two-tone blue on the field, it was a stacked box. No questions asked. No further context needed. Two questions that are born of this, JT, because again, we, we've known this, we've talked about it for months now, but it's worth rehashing, and I, I want to talk about it in terms of what it means for the Titans going forward. The first question is this. 
the thing that this brings me back to mentally as somebody that's been on the beat for the Titans is hearing constantly from folks in the media and from Todd Downing himself that his kind of philosophy in terms of managing down and distance, managing a drive, how he wants to go about his offenses march down the field, he would constantly say his end game, his goal was want to get to third and short, want to get to third and short. We do whatever we can do to get to third and short. We want to avoid third and longs, which on the most shallow possible level sounds right. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Third and short, better than third and long, much more manageable. You can usually get a first down. The problem with that is that you are completely and utterly painting yourself into a corner that you don't have no one's for you're forcing yourself into this corner. Nobody's forcing you to do this. Other teams in the league, they they aren't trying to get to third down. They are on every down trying to get the first down. So on first down, trying to get the first down. Second down, trying to get the first down. Third down, definitely trying to get the first down. But for Todd Downing, seemingly on first and second down, his number one goal was forget the marker down there 10 yards down the field. We're not aiming for that. We're aiming to get as close to that as possible and have as short a third down as possible. It is it is unbelievably stupid. It it it, it doesn't even really bear breaking down because there is no art, there's no counter argument. Like it's just objectively bad process. But the first question is, I, I just said we can't answer the question, but I'm still going to try. Why do we think Todd Downing was so insistent on this? Do we think it was something that was a personal? Um, belief of his something to do with the way that he likes to operate his bespoke offense. Do we think that that's like a cultural thing with the Titans? Do we think that there's an element of Mike Vrabel influence in that at all? And do we think that Tim Kelly is going to bring a different approach to the table? I think it's tough. Like that question, it's tough to answer right now because we don't really know what this offense is going to look like. But once you get a sample size of Tim Kelly, I think it becomes a lot more clear and you can kind of then go through like the puzzle pieces and put it together. Uh, You're never going to like there. You're never going to like be able to like kind of understand what was going on in that room. I feel like the closest we ever got was like at the combine. We we knew in September last year, remember we were reliably informed that Tim Kelly was calling all the good plays and Todd Downing was calling all the bad plays. (laughs) That's what we were told all season. Right. So this should um, just be good plays this year. That's how that works. it, It should be. But like we really like, the closest we ever got to information on what was going on inside there was uh, at the combine where Tim Kelly was like, yeah, I'm helping out the tight ends most of the week and mm-hmm. then going in there mm-hmm. and advising. Well, um, and also him, him telling us that a big part of his responsibility was, Hey, I handle the early down passing, which again was yeah. the third best in terms of efficiency in the league. They just never did it. Um, Yeah. So it, it, I think we'll get a substantial sample size and then be able to, truly like unravel the mystery that is Todd Ga- Todd Downing hates passing um <laughs> and which is really ironic because he's now the passing game coordinator of, of the New York Jets so like, for Aaron Rodgers <laughs> Aaron Rodgers um oh, I, so like I, it, it's tough to say like that's a question we can talk about all summer and but like Wait, we won't he, know until uh, we d- see have I completely mixed is, are we sure he's the passing game coordinator or is he the run game coordinator because now I'm no totally idea. questioning. Hang on, I'm you. You keep this going. I'm is, gonna. This is the information that you are feeding me at this point. Because I really he's, don't. He's he's a he's a something game coordinator. And because I really 
In my head, I maybe mean, passing game sounded better. I'm about the to Jets, find it. The Jets get talked about enough in, in the media that I just really tune them out. So like I've not paid attention to them whatsoever. Um it, it's like I'm Well, Todd Downing's to also like the twentieth most interesting addition to that team this year. And that's True. being generous between all the <laughs> Packers teammates and uh yeah. It, he like I feel like the Packers like brought in or the jets brought in all packers and then Keith yeah Carter and sorry sorry passing game coordinator okay i'm right okay. it's it's yeah it's so it's so unbelievable that i had to check but yes he truly is going to be the one telling aaron Rodgers when and, and who's the, to who's where the, to... the broncos nathaniel hackett is nate, the nate dynamic hackett, duo man. that dynamic, dynamic <laughs> duo of nate hackett and todd downing um if you're a jets like fan, you just have to hope that, that the, the two chaotic evils cancel each other out to create like lawful good like that's the only way that works because on their own each is a nightmare night you a lot of people don't trust Aaron Rodgers judgment but between those three as a Jets fan you have to be desperately hoping I hope Aaron Rodgers just makes his own decisions and does not listen to those two please don't listen hey, maybe, to them no matter what hey, maybe, Aaron, maybe Rodgers has both of them on that ayahuasca and so now they've reached Zen. Expanded their mind. They've expanded they've not their minds. And by now the, floor, the fluoride yeah, in the water, the government they, they keeping now, us down. They now, they now see in their third eye uh, how to actually <laughs> run an offense. Oh, this June is so goofy, man. All right. Yeah. Um, this, here's the second question, and we'll move on. Looking back on the past two years and, and knowing what we know about the efficiencies and inefficiencies of this offense and what, what was allowed to happen week in and week out. Frankly, the, the biggest thing we continue to come back to is not that they were bad at certain things, but that they saw how bad they were at certain things, and they didn't seem interested in making the necessary adjustments to fix those things. They just were content to continue banging their head into the wall, the, the defining, defining insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over and hoping for a different result. Do we think that Mike Vrabel deserves some of or part of or all of or none of the blame for those efficiencies and inefficiencies the past two years what, what in in retrospect does he deserve and then going forward is it the same amount of like what what is his accountability now that he has fired Todd Downing he's brought in he, like there were searches for uh, you know we talked about the the couple of uh KC guys and Eric Bieniemy and um uh, the former Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy, thank you. The former Bears coach, uh, potentially being coordinator options for the Titans. They go with their guy from the inside, right? Uh, Tim Kelly was the guy that Vrabel wanted to hire originally when he ended up having to hire Downing because Kelly was working with the Texans and they blocked that interview. We've we've rehashed all of that before. Does it change his his? responsibility for this offense going forward in your eyes. So kind of a two-parter. We can we can first try to dissect that that first part of in retrospect, how much of it do we blame Mike Vrabel for? I I don't really want to blame anyone just because like I feel like it's nobody's all fault. Had, it's nobody's fault except Todd Downing. <laughs> like I don't want to put any blame. I feel like it maybe is like the culture of the Tennessee Titans, like firing people was like, like mid season was like for the lot, like for early Vrabel era has like not been their jam until Amy Adams drunk, just <laughs> kind of pulled the plug on John Robinson. And then mm -hmm. I think we kind of, 
it, it was kind of like a, a shift in ideology of mm. where mm. I, I think that's maybe where you start to see it because before that, I, I mean, we talked about it all, all last season, like the Titans are just like, no matter how bad he's going to be, no matter how bad or what trouble the team has with guys like Todd Downing or the struggles with the offensive line, butting heads with Keith Carter, they're not going to fire someone during the season, like a coach like that. Um, that was our thought. And then it, it was a huge surprise when John Robinson was just shown the door mid season, like pretty like mid to like mid late into season, he was shown the door. And it's just like, that was kind of something that everyone thought was a surprise. Um, so I think yeah. you're seeing kind of a new era and I don't want to say it's Mike Vrabel's fault, but like, I think the culture that he's built kind of did not allow him to make the moves necessary to get them back on track last year. It kind of maybe, right. it wouldn't make him look like a hypocrite, but it'd be like, you're changing your mind every other week, you know? Um, that's where, that's so, where I am for, for yeah. me, it is much less blaming him for what exactly went on. And the decisions that were made again, that's primarily Todd Downing, in my opinion, but it is holding him accountable for, Hey, there were a number of things that people were very loudly and very clearly calling for like, why, why this seems like a, a quick and easy fix. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we changing this? Why, you know, the offensive line, Dennis Daly, real problem. Maybe we tried somebody, anybody else? Like, can we get some thoughts on that? And it just didn't happen week in and week out. Not only did, did we not see a change, but we also refuse, like they kind of just refused to give us clear answers on that. Right. The media would ask and it would just be a, you know, we just, it's just, a, we're doing, we're, we're going about the process the best we can coach speak this coach speak that we're trying to put the best players in the game in the best circumstances possible, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I blame him for is not making changes when he could have, but in the season last year, I did say his philosophy is clearly that of, I don't want to make sweeping personnel changes in terms of coaching staff. That is in season. Like I want the guys that are in place, the systems that are in place to, to have continuity to them. And even if something is a, it is a, is a disaster like Todd Downing was at the back half of the season. At this point, we're just going to write it out and we will reassess and reevaluate and change things in the off season. He's now had his chance to do that. Many argued he waited too long, but it is now done. So the timing of that is, is null and void at this point. Going forward, I think the fair thing to, to question him about, to hold him accountable for, is, hey, you've made these changes. You've had this offseason, and, and he has put together a very bespoke coaching staff um, that, that has pretty much changes across the board. I mean, there are very few... Um, position group coaches or coordinator positions that have gone unchanged. Um, it's at least half of them. And because of that, there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of things changing. And and the result of that that we see this year and going forward is going to be squarely on his shoulders, in my opinion, um, which as the head coach, that's that's how it goes, right? I think that, that there is a bigger responsibility um, attributed to him now than the past two years. I think that people kind of clearly see this as this is the team – in Mike Vrabel's image, it is it is make or break for him. This is kind of one of those nexus moments. Um, so I, I think we agree there, and we can we can talk about. We have two more smaller, much smaller topics to get into. Um, so we can we can move forward with that. Yeah, let's move away a little. Well, it's kind of football, but not really football. 
kind of. Well, the concern it, is that it may become yeah. football. Yeah. So um, there was a tweet earlier today. Was it today or yesterday? Um, one of the two by uh, Joe Pompli- Pompliano, um, who said, breaking the Qatar Investment Authority is buying a minority stake in Monumental Sports and Entertainment, the parent company of the Washington Wizards and Capitals. That makes them the first sovereign wealth fund to invest in a major U.S. sports team. And so the talk around this was like, hey, would they maybe ever find their way into the NFL market? Right. I mean, they... they... The, the Saudis continue to inch their way into American sports. This is the first time, like you mentioned, that they are um, now legally, financially entangled in a major American sport. Um, I guess we don't consider – well, I they weren't with they, – they previously weren't involved with the PGA Tour. Now they looks like they will soon be. But they now have their tendrils in the PGA Tour, obviously the Live Tour, now with um, the NHL and the NBA – Many are wondering and questioning and worried about will those will those uh, tendrils start to reach into NFL pockets? Will the, the NFL start to become entangled in what is a, a tricky and murky and gray, very gray area conversation surrounding geopolitics and sports washing and human rights violations and financial obligations and all of these things that like go far beyond sports. And we're not really interested in talking about on here. Everyone kind of agrees that sports washing is a pretty blatant bad faith thing to do. And it's what is being done. Like let's improve our reputation by becoming involved in things. People love like we, you aren't slick. Like we see you Um, that being said, I personally, and maybe if you disagree, feel free to voice your opinion, JT. I still refuse to believe that the elite inner circle of NFL ownership would ever allow Saudi buy-in to the NFL, even at a, a minority stake level. I just think that there's a brother slash sisterhood element to the NFL ownership where I, I'll believe it when I see it. I think that they're far too insular and proud a group to allow the Saudis even a foot in the door like that. And I think that they will there will be a number of people at the top of that list, the Maras, um, the Jerry Jones, um, the, the, the people that you, you look at as the, the, the primary vocal leaders of that inner circle of NFL ownership, they're going to be staunchly opposed to that kind of thing. Um, the NFL, I think, is, from a political standpoint, much less inclined to get involved in that kind of thing. It's, it's probably the most insular Americana sport of the major sports. Arguably it's, it's the NFL and MLB, right? I I think the NFL, just the culture of the owners is not going to allow them to want to have anything to do with that situation. Do you kind of agree? Or do you think that it's just money speed? Because the, the counter argument is ultimately they're business folks and they, uh, they care about money. That's the number one thing. So maybe they just take the money. I don't know. I mean, there, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a couple of groups that had maybe some smaller market NFL teams that may find their way into inking a deal like that. Um, my opinion is that I probably don't have an opinion right now. I think we're in very, we're in the first early steps of this becoming a, a, mm. a bigger thing within the sports world. Of course you had live and the PGA merger, which was a huge thing last week. I know that's something that you had a lot to say about. Yep. Um, and now it's like now we're seeing the first um, kind of steps into the 
the four major sports. Now, um, the Washington Wizards, I don't know if you can call that really a sports <laughs> Are team we right sure now. that counts? <laughs> Are we that sure that counts? Sport? Like, yeah, I don't know. That's a fair point. Um, I don't know, but like it's, it, I probably will form more of an opinion on this as I see yeah, more of it unfold fair. for sure. All right, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Um, just something to be aware of. This is obviously we're scraping the bottom of the barrel of the most dead it's worth, time. It's worth mentioning. It's, it's, it's your worth calendar. Mentioning. We have we have some key NFL dates that have been kind of set in stone now and will be things to watch for as we go about this season. Yeah, so roster cut down. 53-man roster. It's different this year. Uh, it's not It's not the step-down process where you go from 90 to 85 to 67 or whatever it was. It is now, I think, the, the, the new CBA rule indicates that you have up to 90 players on your roster throughout camp until August 29th at 4 Eastern, 3 p.m. Central time. All rosters must, must be cut down. To 53 players that'll be a big day for us and for all content creation see who does and doesn't make the active roster nfl trade deadline october 31st super dupy spooky edition of the <laughs> uh the trade deadline this year very halloweeny content going to be going on for a 4 p.m eastern 3 p.m central halloween trade deadline in the nfl and then the 2024 free agency legal tampering period opens on march 11th at noon eastern 11 central finally the 2024 nfl draft April 25th to the 27th in the Motor City, MCDC, and the, the Motor City Kitty is going to be hosting from Detroit this year, which should be a fun one. I think that's a, a cool opportunity for a city that has had some ups and downs, and uh, I think that they're experiencing maybe a, a slight upturn, and so a cool event for them. And yeah. with that, we're, we're done today. We are all done. Uh, we'll be back on Monday talking about something else. I don't know. We're eventually going to have a number of guests from around the AFC South to do an AFC South roundup. Um, got a couple of other ideas that we have shelved that will break out at some point in the coming weeks. But thanks so much for everybody that's sticking with us through the summer. Of course, we get into July, and then we will start to ramp up, and things will go from 0 to 100 really quick in the NFL world. But until then, we'll continue to just hang out, be as entertaining as possible every Monday and Friday morning. So check in with wherever you get the podcast to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Final reminder on this episode, but obviously we'll be bringing it up a lot in the future. Our code over at Zen Sports, Zen Sports Book, code HOTPOD is the referral code you need to go sign up with. It's when you sign up, it's it's impossible to miss. Where do I put the code in? It, just go through the sign up process. You'll know when you're there. It's very obvious. Do you have a referral code? Yes, you do. H-O-T-P-O-D, code HOTPOD over at Zen Sports Book to get unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus in your first 15 days, which can be a big chunk of money. And again, unlike free bets back that are funny money, um, there's nothing contingent on winning your bet. It is truly just how much do you deposit and then put down on bets. That is what you get cash back 5% in your first 15 days and then 3% forever from there with our referral code hot pod. So check it out until Monday morning when JT and I will be back with a new topic I'm your host, Easton Freeze, for producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Everybody enjoy your June weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday.